When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. bring back the big intro for a big win. One of the biggest regular season wins in Ravens franchise history. I'm Antonio Barbera and I'm joined by my two co-hosts Tim Horsey and Jace Evans to talk about one of the most epic Monday night comeback victories for Lamar, for Harbaugh, and the rest of these Baltimore Ravens. I am I, beyond excited so I just I have to move it to somebody else. Tim, Horsey, East Coast, how you feeling? It ain't perfect. It ain't pretty. But it's us. But it's us. That's Ravens football, baby. I, I don't know how to feel. I'm running on minimal hours of sleep. Uh, work on Monday mornings is a very early alarm for me. I had no confidence in the Baltimore Ravens going into this game. I texted a group of friends saying, quote, I feel nothing as the game kicked off and they were seeing how the emotions are going. And I almost kept that same level throughout until like Al Pacino. Every time I want out, they bring me back in. And I was sitting there leaping up and down on my bed watching this game. Are you effing kidding me? I have to edit this podcast, so I'm not going to cuss. I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm so excited to sit here and talk with you guys about this victory because like, I don't know how to feel because it still seems surreal that it actually happened. In watching highlights of this game several times, uh, surreal is one word. So many things happened in this game that I, even while watching highlights two, three, four times, I kept seeing things that I didn't remember had happened all in this same game. And we're going to get to that uh, later on. But first, Jace Evans on the West Coast. Jace, this game for you was, uh, what, like 5 p.m. to 8 p.m.? So certainly a different atmosphere but but hopefully the excitement level was was just the same oh the excitement was there antonio and i think it's important uh to just say they they wrote it on the whiteboard the ravens didn't flinch in this game and uh similar to tim uh i i kind of don't know how to feel i had i think similar vibes um 
throughout the contest. Uh, you know, you're playing the Chiefs, you just expect them to march down the field and uh, score whatever at will, which they certainly did at times. Um, but just the way they fought and battled and climbed back and, you know, pull, pulled out a really gutsy win. I don't know if it changes the long, long-term trajectory of what this season can be. Um, but it's really exciting. And I think in the big picture for certainly Lamar Jackson's career and the Ravens as a whole, that's it's really exciting. And just, you know, a thing to knock off the, uh, the list of things people bring up when criticizing Lamar and the Ravens. So... That felt good. Trajectory, Jace. Trajectory? This team's winning the Super Bowl now. Are you kidding oh, yeah. me? Let's talk about it. Let's go. Uh, so the first thing, before we get to the Ravens and the game, which, in case I haven't said it yet, 36-35 Baltimore winners at the bank. Uh, Ray Lewis made, made a major appearance uh, to intro this game. He came out, did the dance, got people fired up. They may start bringing him back for every big game after that, showing that, that he in theory, inspired. But in this game itself, we got to start this conversation, of course, at the quarterback position with Lamar Jackson. Boy, have we heard about enough narratives. Have we talked about enough narratives that have swirled with this player? A tale of two halves for him, maybe? A tale of one quarter versus three quarters? The first drive, obviously, one of the first couple of plays he misses a deep throw an open deep throw to Hollywood by five to seven yards two plays later I believe or if not the play later a pick six to uh the honey badger Tyron Matthew on a throw that I don't actually think was was his fault um just a receiver slipping at the of course exact moment that (laughs) Lamar turned to him and, and began throwing the football another ugly interception Later in the game, into triple coverage, a couple of bad throws early, but the second half, an entirely, I mean, not an entirely different performance, but just a precise passer, a determined runner, playmaker, put the team on his back, though. I turn to my co-hosts. What do you make of this Lamar Jackson performance? Lamar Jackson wasn't losing this football game. That's what happened. It, It came to a point with him where... You know, early on, we were texting, we were talking about it in the group chat. He's forcing it. There's that pick. It's not even his fault, but here comes the narrative, and then he's going to try and force things. And there's the other pick, the second pick, which is completely on him and is an absolutely atrocious throw. Let's not, you know, let's not mince words about that. And then you start to think in your head, like, is this guy just put too much pressure on himself? Does he know that there's so many guys out, he kind of has to do it by himself? And you know what? I wouldn't say he did it all by himself, but damn, he took a load of the responsibility in that second half, and he legitimately carried this team to a victory over the monkey on their back, which he said post-game. You know, it feels good to have the monkey off the back here. He was immaculate in the second half, making every single play, embarrassing fools on the run and in the pass. Tim Tebow jump passes on crucial third down plays. (laughs) running through guys instead of going out of bounds because he was that pissed off. Like, this guy brought everything, and it's just... We've said this moment plenty... I've said this plenty of times on this podcast. Antonio said it. Jace has said it as well. I, As we record this, I actually just had a friend of mine from college who was a Jets fan reach out to me and say, what's it like to love your football team? I don't know what that feels like. (laughs) 
poor guy. Shout out him. I have never felt happier to have Lamar Jackson as my quarterback than after this game. Uh, it's just one of those. I just I want to cuss so bad. He gives an S. He gives an S about this team, this city, this fan base, and he knew he had to prove it on this night. And damn it, he did. It was incredible. It is wild, Tim. You, you mentioned that. I was thinking about this last night, and in, in uh, as I just basked in the glory that was the the, the later goings of that game, um, Lamar truly might be like. Ravens have obviously had some great players, some beloved players. There's a statue of one of their former players outside the stadium. But Lamar truly does seem to be the guy who has perhaps the highest approval rating among fans in, like, Ravens history. He is, like, beloved by this fan base in a way that it really doesn't see certainly no offensive players in in the history of this franchise has been. And, um... You know, as you said, it's his team, and he he put the team on his back. Um, I was certainly very worried in the outgoing of this game. I, as you mentioned, I thought the, the 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 overthrow to Hollywood was probably worse than uh, the interception, and then I thought the forced interception once when they're down um, fourteen to seven. You know, they're driving to try to tie it up, or that might have been seven zero still at that point. But they're driving to um, tie it up. And he, yeah, throws it into trip coverage. Inexcusable, as you said. Uh, and it really got me worried. You know, you see the pick six and you're like, oh, God, here we go again. Uh, another early deficit against the Chiefs. Mahomes hasn't even taken the field. Uh, and then he forces that second one. I, uh, I believe it was Jamison Hensley. I saw on Twitter, at least. Uh, he was the first, I believe, Ravens quarterback to have multiple interceptions in like the first quarter since Trent Dilfer pulled it off. Um, so, so you know, never a list you want to be on uh, necessarily, unless it's Super Bowl winning Ravens uh, with Trent Dilfer. But um, you know, I, I was really worried. But for him to just mentally uh, come back from that 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 early setback and battle back, I agree. I thought he was you know, fantastic. He actually finished his game, uh, with the exact, um, same number of yards as Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they, bo- they both, uh, th- finished with 346 yards. Lamar obviously did a hundred of those on the ground with some just spectacular runs. Um, but I did worry in the early going, we, we we've talked about this, I believe even on the show, certainly off the show about Lamar putting this pressure on himself. Cause he does seem jittery. He overthrows early in game in big games. And the bigger the game, the more those issues kind of, seemed to persist and he pretty much said as much this is what Lamar had to say uh after the game he said I threw two first quarter interceptions one for a pick six and that pissed me off and then another one in the red zone and that pissed me off I was trying to force something and make it happen too fast instead of taking our time and driving the ball down the field like we do I had to stay focused and I think the big win of this game is him like finding that focus like recovering from those early setbacks which is something you know we just haven't seen in his career before this was the biggest comeback uh fourth quarter comeback in his career um and yeah as you mentioned it wasn't a hundred percent on him but it was mostly him and he was he was great he I I thought this was you know especially battling through the early adversity, I think you could really make a case this was the, 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 the best game of his career. It looks like in some games and in the first half of this game, he tries to fix things in one play. He tries to fix a 10-point deficit with one throw, or he tries to fix a first and 25 with a 50-yard throw to end a touchdown. 
And he did a little bit of that in this game. That interception into triple coverage was on a third down, and they were in field goal range. You can just eat it and take the three points, but he wanted to try to, you know, sort of match the Chiefs touchdown for touchdown. And then in the second quarter and then in the second half, he stopped doing that. He started trusting the game plan. He started trusting getting eight yards on first and 20 is a win for Baltimore through the air or on the ground. He had a couple of throws to Mark Andrews in long down and distance situations that he just took. I mean, it wasn't really not a check down, but he took Andrews doing like an eight yard route across the middle to set up second and 12, or maybe Andrews broke a tackle and he you know, ran down the sidelines and turned it into a second and six. And he just got into all these manageable downs over and over and over again in the second half of this game where they were getting yards all over the place, you know, six, seven yards per carry seemingly in the second half and, and, and even through the air. So a maturity from Jackson really in one game that also, in the grand scheme of things, is this maturity that we've been kind of looking for over the last season plus from him. And you think, too, that might be the final piece because this guy is not going to be Peyton Manning or you know, I'm, you know Aaron Rodgers when it's arm strength and accuracy and you know what have you. But that might be the final piece of his game that puts him into the untouchable level because, guys, he was untouchable. In that second half, and I stress again, as someone who, during most Ravens games, hand up, I'll admit, sometimes I'm a bit of a nightmare to watch games with because I'm skittish, (laughs) I bounce up and down, there's a lot of yelling, Um, the the vocal cords might go in and out sometimes depending on the severity of the game and the stress levels, which are usually significantly higher than they need to be. This one I was relatively calm because even then, and we're going to get to the defense later and more the offense and, and all that stuff later, but... There was just a Thanos inevitability about the Kansas City Chiefs and that offense. So I just the whole time kind of had this reserved thought to it. But as the game builds and that second half builds, and you hear that crowd, by the way, just so we don't forget to mention those guys, shout out the Ravens crowd because they came back in full force. You mentioned Ray Lewis. Let's not forget Omar coming as well. They did the whistle with the... I'm sure that's going to translate on a podcast. That was incredible and the whole place... Lit up for that as well. You got to love that stuff. But I I bring up the inevitability of the Chiefs. Lamar, and yeah, of course, this is hyperbole. This is a Ravens fans podcast. Lamar hit that level last night of, oh, you think this is the team that's going to win this football game? Uh Uh-uh. I'm winning this football game. We are winning this football game. And it was... It was awesome to see. We root for this team. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There's not a lot of good things in life anymore. Like, enjoy this because it is just, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah. John Harbaugh today called Lamar, um, the, I've never, he said this of Lamar, I've never been around a more competitive player. And that fire has shown, I think, throughout his career, certainly. Um, but it was kind of nice, I guess, to watch him channel it and not, you know, get too overcome with emotions and bounce back. Oh, Tim, you said it so well. What a game. What a game to watch. What a, uh, it's such a, we're in the Lamar Jackson era. Uh, and it's great. It's, you know, what a time. I, I think the real message from this, cause we'll get into more as we discuss, I still have, you know, is this team going to win to the Super Bowl? Tim said, yes, I'm still not quite sure, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I think the, the important message of last night is that, with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are never out of a game. And, and can, yeah, can beat the best 
at their best. I mean, it's not like the Chiefs had a bad game. It's not like Mahomes got hurt halfway through this game and they had to bring in Chad Henney for long stretches. They went mano a mano, score for score. And at the end, Lamar, parentheses, and the Ravens made just enough plays. Boy, I want to keep talking about Lamar. I guess we have to t- turn elsewhere on this <laughs> offense. but Oh, we'll bring it back to him in Lamar, every the, conversation. Don't worry. Lamar's runs up the middle of the field in this game, I'm still, like, I want to save those clips just and just have them playing in my house at all times, just deking seven guys per run. It's unbelievable how well he runs in between the tackles. So I just had, I watched the highlights just before this. I like to do it just as a refresher and stuff, too. He, he has the one where it's inside, outside, and then gets a couple more yards, and it's outside again on a guy, and all you hear is just the Berman, whoop, 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 <laughs> like the whole time, and he's just shaking the guys out of his shoes, and it's absolutely incredible. I know we're talking about, we're going to move to the offense here, and I think a, a good launching point anyway for this. We do need to give some credit to Greg Roman, because this, we've talked about it many a time. They panic. They All of a sudden, they just start throwing the ball. We know what they're good at. This team, down 11 to Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter, who has never lost in September, never thrown a pick before last night, uh, as we record, I should say. They stuck to their game plan. They knew what was good. They changed little things when they had to. They got aggressive, but it wasn't just aggressive through the air. It was aggressive on the ground. And, you know, Lamar is a massive chunk of that. But we have to also shout out Greg Roman for what he did um, in that game plan as well. I thought, I thought it was flawless. Not afraid of the long drive down multiple scores in the second half of a football game. Was very nice to see. But Tim, as you mentioned, Roman... That doesn't work. E- even your quarterback's heroics don't work unless you have one thing happen. And I'm turning to you on this, Tim, because this you're our guy for this, uh, this area of the field. You're going to answer this question. It doesn't work unless what facet of the game holds up? The offensive line, the big boys up front, the meat and potatoes, the grit, the grinders. What a performance from the Hogs. Are you kidding me? Um... Do we just shift Ronnie Stanley to right tackle now when he comes back with Alejandro Villanueva there? I, 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 obviously, I'm kidding. but He loves left tackle, Tim. Can't, can't get enough of left Clearly tackle loves left tackle. Mowing guys down left and right. Kevin Zeitler, you know, the penalty, we don't have to talk about it because the Ravens won. It was absolutely ridiculous on the two-point conversion. He gets dragged to the end zone. Everybody thought so. Everybody said as much. And the fact that they just still call it, don't review it. There's, no, <laughs> there's going to be no punishment for the refs because they're not held accountable to anything because they're a bunch of losers. Whatever. That's it. Rant over about that. Zeitler played incredibly well. He was the lead blocker on that fourth and one, the one that sealed the game for the Ravens. The You want to go for it? Hell yeah, coach. It's like, just like I said in Seattle two years ago, I want to go for it. Let's do this. Um, I thought Zeitler played incredibly well. Patrick McCarry. Here's the best thing I can say about Patrick McCarry. I didn't hear Patrick McCarry's name once. And that is one of the best things you can hear for an offensive lineman. Incredible protection throughout. Did a really good job for a guy that we thought was going to be an issue. And then, boys, we officially have a platoon at left guard. Welcome Ben Cleveland to Baltimore. Ben Powers and Ben Cleveland, John Harbaugh said on Monday in his press conference, both guys played well enough that they're going to be platooning in that role. And I got to watch Ben Cleveland run some dudes over. And my God, was it satisfying. It, it, you're right, Antonio. When we talked about this last, on last week's episode, they're not winning this game if the offensive line played like the offensive line did against the Raiders. In fact, 
they're losing this game by halftime. We're going to sleep, but I have to catch up on it before the podcast today, admittedly, because it, it would just be, it would have been that embarrassing, even for a Chiefs defense that, you know, outside of Tyron Matthew isn't very good. They abused the defensive line. Chris Jones is an all-pro defensive tackle. Why he's playing defensive end, I'll never, I'll never understand. It's an incredibly stupid move, but you do you, Steve Spagnuolo. They abused Chris Jones. They had him run in every which direction. I, there was not a sniff of that Chiefs defensive line throughout, and that's the type of performance you need. Again, I'll go back to it. It's cliche. I mean, it's the most hardball line of all time, but I, that's why I love it because I'm going to eat it up every single time. It ain't perfect. It ain't pretty but it's us and that starts up front and by God, those boys were good. And I just, you know, long may it continue, but we'll have to see. Yeah. The, that was kind of the unfortunate thing in the lead up to this game was just, uh, Ronnie Stanley certainly seems like he had some sort of setback probably with his ankle. As it turns out, you know, playing NFL football games is very stressful. Uh, when you when you're a big man and have completely restructured your ankle, uh, just last November, um, so it, it, Harbaugh said he wasn't close to playing in this game, so that's obviously something to monitor going forward. But to what Tim said, very encouraged that Alejandro Villanueva looked, you know, very good <laughs> back at his left tackle spot. And at least, you know, it still concerns me a little about, like, what's the right tackle solution going forward? Because um, clearly this guy's way more comfortable on the left side, which, to be fair to him, he has played his entire NFL career. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I you know we we talked about it. Lamar was great, but the way to beat the Chiefs, you know, shorten the game. The Ravens had a, a thirty-five or thirty-six to twenty-four time of possession advantage uh, in this game. They had uh, more yards than the Chiefs, which I probably I'd have to look it up, but I can probably say safely say has almost certainly never been the case in any of their prior meetings. Um, and you know they they have nine more first downs. They just uh, this this offensive line just helped, uh, you know, shorten the game to an extent, and that certainly helped in the second half. Antonio, you had joked via our text that you were looking for, uh, I believe at the time it was an eleven minute drive to end the game when the Ravens got the ball back down five. Um, didn't quite uh, get eleven minutes, but they did go eight minutes, and that close. certainly uh, you know shortened uh, the fourth quarter considerably. Um, so, yeah, I I mean, they got it done, and uh, I don't know if we want to get into this now. It might be a good time, too, but certainly the the play of the uh, offensive line, I think, helped um, make a, a very key decision for John Harbaugh uh, late in the game. Okay, um, we're going to get to John Harbaugh <laughs> and his massive, massive balls in just a second. But I want to say uh, highest-graded guys on PFF for the Baltimore Ravens, Three of the top five are offensive linemen slash Mark Andrews, and that grade does some some of his blocking as well. He was incredible setting the edge, as was Tomlinson. You have Bradley Bozeman coming in five, and number one, Alejandro Villanueva, the big left tackle, who clearly, and this this is just, it's a Steelers guy and a Ravens guy, the type of guy. He was pissed off about his performance, and he was not going to let it happen again. And you hope, God willing, that when he moves back to right tackle eventually, that he still is you know angry about that and can find some way <laughs> that remains to be seen and the scheme of this whole thing with the offensive lineman as well it was a if you look at the breakdown for how the snap counts went for the offense they went heavy a lot they, they ran well out of heavy they um, threw well out of heavy if you don't know what heavy means pretty simple fullbacks tight ends 
big boys up front, extra linemen, all that stuff. Uh, you know, we had Ben Cleveland played on both of the late touchdown drives, uh, career high in snaps for Patrick Ricard. That was the game plan, and they stuck to it. And they, you know, you have to have a great game plan. They did. You have to execute it. They did. And that comes out with a dub against one of the best teams in the NFL. We talked last week after the Raiders game. Could the Ravens at least fix the communication errors, the the blunders of linemen running the wrong direction, running into each other? And that was sort of step one here. Execute the basic blocks. Add add like beef on the line, as Tim said. They had all this motion, all these different blocking schemes against the Chiefs as this game progressed that that ended up absolutely impacting the Chiefs' pass rush because they couldn't sort of like pin their ears back and they didn't even know where to run, where to attack in a lot of those instances when it was uh, a, you know, a more obvious passing down. And that ended up with the Ravens' linemen officially having zero pressures in this game on Lamar Jackson per uh, PFF. He did get sacked once. Apparently that may have gone to, uh, to, to a running back missing a blocking assignment. But the offensive linemen... Zero pressures against the Chiefs. That is how you get it done. As we turn to the playmaking side of the ball, Hollywood Brown, we have given him a lot of flack before. Two games into this new season, and he is really coming into his own. He had six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. We got more Tyson this week, which we asked for uh, after the last podcast. He was sort of mysteriously quiet in the second half. He was in this game broke a ton of tackles, seems to hit holes just so well in this running scheme. Uh, and then we talked about Andrews already with a couple of nice catches. What did you guys see from the playmakers? What did you like uh, from the playmaking assignment this week? I, I wish I had the stat, and I found it. And again, um, as, as we joked in our private text thread, if you want to take you behind the, uh, the curtain here, Jason and I stayed up way too late just liking tweets. And some of them, some of them were for information, and I have them next to me here to pull up to tell you guys about and to use for arguments and conversation and entertainment and all that fun stuff. Some of them were just like hype, 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 hype. There was one, and unfortunately I missed it, but Hollywood in the last like six games or something, and most of them being big games, has been outrageous. And I'm not ready to go number one, and maybe this offense doesn't need a number one receiver. That remains to be seen. But he is becoming a go-to guy, and... It's time to put some res- – I, I can't believe I'm saying this. It is time to put some respect on Hollywood Brown's name. And I thought he was incredibly impressive. Um, the other guy for me, too, that I just want to shout out, I thought Sammy Watkins had a very important game. Four catches, 44 yards. He makes the play to get it to fourth and one on, like, the third and seven. to make. He gets, like, the six yards to get you the fourth and one. He also made the catch at the end of the half, which got Justin Tucker just a bit closer for the field goal. He made some, a couple other big catches as well. Sure hands, a guy who clearly wanted to win this game. He's the one that broke the huddle at the end. If you, if you watch, um, I don't know, all of the Ravens social media content, which I have done repeatedly after this game, and I probably will do again tonight before Monday Night Football kicks off and the Lions put me to sleep. I, I was really impressed with him, and it's one of those two where you think if they figure out this scheme that works and they have ways that they can sort of tweak it where maybe sometimes they have to go a little bit lighter and get their receivers involved um, rather than like this heavy stuff that they're doing, you're starting to feel a bit more confident than they have the weapons. Um, and so, you know, Brown and Watkins for me, I thought were in, in the passing game were, it were incredible. 
Yeah, and uh, uh, Antonio, you've already said it. Uh, I thought Andrews took a big step this game. You know, he wasn't still hasn't had the, a super huge breakout yet, but some of his catches were critical. He, he uh, one of the few hurdles I've ever liked him doing when he hurdled out of bounds to stop the clock at the end of the first half to get points. That was so big to get points on that drive. You know, they face a first and twenty-five at one point on that drive. Uh, right before half and still get points. Um, Tim, I actually found, I believe, the tweet, because uh, I saw it too, the Marquise Brown. Uh, Marquise Brown, this is via Ian uh, Harditz um, of PFF, I believe. Uh, Marquise Brown has caught a TD and or surpassed 80 receiving yards in 10 consecutive games. So we love to see it. That's pretty solid. Um, we have a Ravens wide receiver tied for uh, – he's – Tied for 10th, but that still qualifies in my book. It's in the top 10 in the NFL in receiving yards at Marquise Brown, um, which, you know, I'd love to see the last time that was true. I'd get, have to guess it was a guy like Anquan Bolden or something. <laughs> but, in, like, week um, one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I agree, because I, I, I'm right there with you guys on, uh, on, on Marquise, um, Tim, just because... We, we've been really critical. I've been very critical of Hollywood. There's still things with him. I wish he was just healthier in general. He almost didn't play this game because of his lingering ankle things, but that's not, you know, really his fault. It's just kind of unfortunate. Um, but he, he gave it a go, and yeah, he was awesome. You know, he, he, he seems to be just finding those spaces in, like, get, taking advantage of his speed. I, As I said, there's things that bother me with him. I wish he didn't run backwards as much as he does <laughs> when he does get the ball. But these are minor things. I, I was really impressed. And I, I want to see so bad what this offense looks like once Rashad Bateman um, gets into the fold. Because as impressed as I was last night, you know, you, you watch the game, and the Ravens have uh, five guys catch passes. Um and only two of them are wide receivers in this game. And you look at what the Chiefs do, where nine guys catch passes, and we'll get to the defense here in a, uh, in a little bit. But, yeah, um, I, I just watching it, especially in the past game, and obviously Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, Andy Reid, probably makes things a little easier than it's ever going to be for the Ravens. But everything looks just so... The Chiefs just have seven yards on every play with how many weapons they have, and... Uh, you have to hope that a guy like Rashad Bateman just opens, even if he doesn't go off, it just opens things up more for Sammy Watkins, opens things up more for Hollywood. And that makes me really excited to kind of see what they can do. Lamar, you know, he's over 200 yards passing his first two weeks. He's, he's uh, averaging a career. It's only two games, but so far his highest uh, yards per game average of his career. So, you know, if the passing, if this is the, the kind of the leap forward we've wanted from the passing game, I think it's it's really exciting. Let's turn to the defense now. We have used the expression bend but don't break a lot with the Ravens over the past few years. I would say this was more hanging on by a thread uh, to, to describe how this defense played. Mahomes basically did whatever he wanted for large chunks of this game. Um, but the Ravens did focus on taking away Tyreek Hill and did so for the vast majority of this game with the double teams. They did force two turnovers at maybe the two key moments of this game for the defense. I don't know. You guys want to start with the bad defensively or the good defensively? Uh, what, what did you see on that side of the ball? See, I think it's just it's going to be a general conversation here because I think 
and you you can say purple tinted glasses all you want and glass half full because the victory came and it would be a way different story if the victory didn't come the off the defense was not great you know i don't i don't i don't have any illusions about them being a stellar unit last night but remember what we said about the blitzing don't do it wink's going to do it guys has Wink never not done it? He's absolutely going to send the house, and this is what's going to happen with this team, and they're going to go down, and it's going to be an issue. This comes from Jamison Hensley during the game. Oh, nope, wrong tweet here. Sorry about that. There's one, I, I have to find the exact tweet that he had, but the Ravens didn't send pressure until like midway through the second quarter or something like that in terms of sending more than four guys, and it was very much a bend-but-don't-break approach. Now, like Antonio said... That's being generous. It was worse than that. I think Wink Martindale, if you had him in a room, would tell you the same exact thing. But they knew they couldn't give up the massive play, the 70-yard bomb. And for the most part, they didn't do that. And I don't know. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being too nice on this. I just think that Chiefs offense is so good that limit them to what you can and then get the turnovers at the right moment. And they did that. I mean, they Patrick or Patrick Mahomes... Adafi Owe forces both of these turnovers. He, he forces the interception because Patrick Mahomes turned into Carson Wentz for two seconds and decided to make too much out of a play rather than just taking the sack, and Tavon Young gets the pick. And then obviously the big play at the very end of the game where he bats the ball out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's hand, uh, hands. So I don't know how to feel about the defense today. Clearly I'm, I'm disappointed in, in the yardage, and I'm disappointed in the points. I mean, 34 is still a lot, um, or 35, excuse me, is still a lot. But it's tough to be mad at them when they come out with the victory and they make the plays at the right moment against a team that is just so, so talented. Well, I think for me that's what's exciting um, about this game, because I agree with Playmakers. you. Playmakers, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we've, we've talked about how this team without Marcus Peters just doesn't have many playmakers outside of Marlon Humphrey. Um, and uh, we we saw plays made by their rookie first-round pick that they got for trading Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. <laughs> he, as you said, Tim, he made the two biggest defensive plays, or he was in on the two biggest defensive plays of the game. He forces Mahomes into, you know, that very poorly ill-advised throw. I mean, it still would have been a nice, like, the Ravens are, are, are getting the ball back via punt, even if Mahomes doesn't throw it away. But it certainly helped to swing the momentum of the game. The Chiefs didn't score in the fourth quarter. So um, that kind of, you know, opened the door for the Ravens' comeback, that 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 pick. And then, yeah, he when just driving down the field with ease. Um, he, he, he pokes the ball away from... Uh, as you said, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and recovers. He made the two biggest plays of the game. And that was really exciting for a guy who's really young, hasn't played football that long, and certainly has a lot of time to develop. But it seems like, you know, even in two weeks, he's he's getting just more and more time. I saw something. He had the most snaps at outside linebacker of any Raven last night um, in game two for him. So, uh, you know, that's encouraging. And Certainly, we haven't had an athlete like this on the Ravens' defense in quite a while. Maybe, you know, maybe since the heyday of Ed Reed, but, um, or Prime Haloti, perhaps. But uh, it's very exciting. So I, I was encouraged by that. I agree with you. You know, I, the, the rest of the defense left a lot to be desired, though I will say I at least appreciated 
uh, Wink going down with his plan one way or the other. Um, he was, you know, he's watched Patrick Mahomes just eviscerate them uh, with these long bomb plays the last few years. And he just said, we're not losing that way. And they stuck to it um, via uh, Jonas Schaefer, um, I believe at the Baltimore Sun. Um, he, he, he found some PFF stuff. Uh, their blitz rate. So in 2018, they blitzed uh, Patrick Mahomes 43% of the time in their game. 2019, they blitzed 41%. Last year, they blitzed 49% of the time against Mahomes on dropback. He's the drunk uncle at Thanksgiving, Wink Martindale. Well, he was sober for this one because this year he he, he blitzed only 18.2% of the time. They, uh, in last night's game, they stuck with their plan. And um, yeah, you know, Tyreek Hill has three catches for 14 yards. It was like one of his least productive games. since Mahomes, you know, became their QB, he's only had like one or two games where he like didn't have any catch since Mahomes got there. So, um, this was one of the, like I, I I appreciated that I appreciated that they just went with a different game plan. If they just lost in the exact same way, <laughs> or, or or like went like Mahomes beat them the exact same way, that would have been frustrating. Mahomes is great, obviously. Like, you know, they needed uh, the big play, they needed the turnovers to get back in the game and they actually made them. So that's what's exciting. Cause uh, you know, I think long-term there's still a lot of concerns for me about this defense. They lose to Sean Elliott and Brandon Williams to injury in this game. That's concerning going forward. Um, they're giving up 34 points a game this year. Now, obviously seven of those last night came from Lamar's pick six, but y- y- you don't want to be above, you know, 25 generally, if you want to win big in the NFL. <laughs> um, so, they still need to figure some stuff out, certainly. But I think this, these were probably two of the harder offenses they'll face right out of the gate. So I think there's room to improve, and OA made me very excited. But yeah, certainly a mixed bag, but that's kind of that's kind of the deal when you face Patrick Mahomes. They got the turnovers they were never able to get against him in their, their prior games, and I think that was obviously the big difference in this one. And just without the blitz, they were getting pressure. Like, OA especially was constantly there and you just hope that progresses uh moving forward yeah wink he may not have been drunk at thanksgiving but he was i think he got a little maybe had a little buzz there at a certain point because he was doing a cool thing that collinsworth even talked about where they were doing like a delayed blitz with Oway as opposed to like a corner or somebody getting blown up they had uh they had him sort of wait or loop around or try to chip kelsey at the line and then blitz after that that's where the interception came from Look, I mean, at the start of this game, I think we would have accepted 28 points given up from the Ravens' defense because the one is obviously the seven points are from a pick six. That's the game you have to win against the Chiefs is 31-28, that kind of thing, 36-35 as this game did end up happening. But the problem was, yes, they executed keeping the ball in front of them, but they sure did not execute tackling the ball once it was caught in front of them. And that was... uh, just a disaster at times. I think Travis Kelsey is still running after the catch, like somewhere down in downtown Baltimore. So they have to clean up the tackling a little bit. They have to clean up sort of angles. I feel like they took terrible angles a lot of times on these like seven yard completions that led to just gigantic gains. So hopefully they can clean that up a little bit, get some of these defensive guys back I don't know I don't think we know the status of, of the names that that Tim mentioned to Sean Elliott and Brandon Williams specifically 
But I think we take it. I think we accept 28 points from this defense against the best offense that we've seen, like in this side of uh, of Tampa Bay, basically. Yeah, and Guys, especially especially too. Sorry, Antonio. When you have a you know in the Super Bowl, they got found out, and it was the offensive line that they had to revamp and everything. By the way, how's that left tackle doing? And playing that Tampa front four. That's what exposed the Chiefs' offense. We don't have that front four. So you kind of have to take, like you said, you kind of have to take 28 points and hope that you can outscore them in that way. Before we move off of it, we do have to talk about Patrick Queen. There is a conversation to have about Patrick Queen. Um, I, and I don't want to do this every week, I made the proclamation that I'm out on Mark Andrews after week one. I'm not all the way back in on Mark Andrews. I will say that, although he had a great, he had a nice game, especially blocking. I'm not going to answer it myself. I'm going to puss out, but and then I'll answer it after you two. Are we out on Patrick Queen? I think it's time to have the Queen conversation because, my God, that man—he's he's fast, but that doesn't help when you miss coverages and tackles over and over and over again. Uh. I want to believe Tim, but he, yeah, you just said it so well just there. He has the speed, and I think that's obviously what, you know, intrigues people about him. He has the speed to be this modern cover guy. And I don't know if it's just inexperience um, or what have you. You know, he's still just a second-year player. Didn't play a ton at LSU, admittedly, until his junior year, I believe. Um so I don't know if it's an inexperienced thing, just very raw, but he seems like he's just always in the wrong place when it comes to pass. There was a number of times, there was one like play where, you know, you see him running close to the guy with the ball a lot, <laughs> which seems like, to me... That and he still leads the team in tackles with eight, because he always gets well, and that's late. His stats are always going to look good, because he makes a ton of tackles, but you're like, well, you break up one or two of those passes... You don't have to make as many tackles when you're chasing down your Travis Kelsey's or Miko Harmon's or these guys. But the bigger actually concern for me isn't even the passing as much as it's, it's, it's the tackling. It's, it's the most basic, <laughs> you know, part of, of being a linebacker. And, you know, is he under? he's definitely undersized. And I, But you know who else was undersized? Ray Lewis. That man lied about being six feet tall his whole career. And he was one of the surest tacklers in the history of the NFL. Um, he was big. He was, he was fast. Um, he did it all. And look, it's very unfair to compare Patrick Queen to Ray Lewis. I understand that. But, you know, this guy, he got, what, shoved seven yards up the field by, uh, I forget, I don't even Jarek remember Jarek McKinnon, was. I was about to come yeah. in. A, a guy who everybody <laughs> terms as kindly scat back, and he yeah, gets driven back. Yeah, Collinsworth called him, he was like, your fast little scat back, and I was like, well, that guy just shoved our middle linebacker four yards up the field after he made contact. And and then immediately, not that you have that play, and then the very next play, Queen actually reads the play beautifully in the backfield, just fails to make the tackle on the goal line as, uh, I don't know who plunged in for them. Daryl Williams, I think. But uh, it, it, it's just that so often. He missed, like, he just, if he, like, I'd accept him being not the greatest pass cover if he just tackled, like, running backs when they're in his vicinity. But this guy always needs help. 
And so I guess it's a long-winded way of saying, yes, I think I'm out on Patrick Queen for now. But I, he's so young, I still hold out hope, but it, it's frustrating. I think, like, we were texting about it. I, I don't know if these are things we just ignored last year or me specifically ignored last year because, you know, you're like, ah, oh, he's a rookie, he'll improve. And you just expect more, I guess, of a second-year player. But I don't know. It, I've been disappointed in him so far this season to say the least i just don't know what he is and this is coming off of a on a a preseason where he looked dare i say explosive in multiple games multiple plays going sideline to sideline reading the play getting to the play and then blowing up the player and that just hasn't happened he had one and then collinsworth was talking about how he thinks Queen is getting it this year, and he didn't get it last year, but he looks good. He does not look good this year at all. He had one good tackle where I saw he sort of blew up a running play, going side east to west kind of thing, and then that was it. Everything else is, as Jace said, he's chasing plays down, he's late to balls, and he's getting shoved by players smaller than him. I, I don't know where he goes or what he does at the current size that he plays as the middle linebacker, and that's... A very big problem moving forward. Yeah, I'm. I'm putting him in purgatory. I'm not out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the number makes it a little bit worse. The number makes it like if he was still 48, he might still be in my good graces. The six kind of already kicked him there, but now the door is shut in purgatory. And I want to pull him back out. I want to bring him back to Ravens football heaven. But I might have to drop him into hell. Not to get too religious here. Like I, that's it's it is growing more and more concerning. And you're the guy who's supposed to be able to pass protect and and kind of stop the run as well. And you're not really doing either of them. So you know, look, with all these guys, we're not sitting here saying, oh, "I hate this guy. I want him off my team." I like I, ho- I hope he improves, obviously, for the good of the team. But it does make me nervous, especially as we get into some of the bigger games. To end it on a tiny positive, he has so far gone, he's gotten killed by Darren Waller, who was a top tight end, and then the Chiefs' weapons. There's other teams out there that he's going to have to go against that hopefully aren't as sort of loaded with uh, with offensive talent as those two teams uh, were to some extent. The last couple of notes that I have here before we do have to talk about other things, I, I guess, uh, after this game, but... Jace mentioned the time of possession, 36-24 in favor of the Ravens. That's in the recipe to beat the Chiefs. The Ravens with more total yards and more first downs than Kansas City in this game. Just really impressive. You know, it's not just an offensive stat. Obviously, that's like the defense uh, having touchdown drives end quickly in some instances, but other times being able to get off the field just at the right moment. And then we got to give Harbaugh that. We got to give John Harbaugh some credit here, who he has been absolutely annoying me with his press conferences over the past few weeks. He he is done talking about player injuries. I think one of the quotes was, <laughs> "What what do you think about Stanley?" And his response was, "I think I'm not going to talk about injured guys anymore." That was sort of I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of his response. And I get annoyed at how prickly he is with very basic questions. And then I remember that he's a football guy, and he made all the right moves in this game. He read the game in terms of, my defense is getting roasted, my offense is getting yards on every play. What do we do on fourth and one 
in our own territory to try to seal the game? Do we give it? Do we give the ball to their best player and try to stop them, or do we keep the ball in the hands of our best player and win it now? And holy moly, I don't want to say too much here, but that may have been a play that turned the Ravens' season around. Because I have very little doubt that if the Chiefs get the ball, they're kicking a field goal and they're winning that game, and we're on this podcast talking about, wow, what a great effort by the Ravens uh, in a loss 38-36, to and they're 0-2, and they have to start digging out of this hole, and they basically can't afford to lose another game for a month if they want to go to the playoffs. Instead, they are 1-1. One one. They have all the confidence in the world, they looked good at home. They took control. They God, they got the monkey off their back, as Lamar said with the Chiefs. This game will mean so much to Lamar, so much to the Ravens. And it was because late in the game, Harbaugh had faith in his best player. Guys, uh, anything on what, what else can we say about Harbaugh and his decisions in this game? I, I love it. I just, I just, I love that man, and I love him as a football coach. And. It's another, just like Lamar Jackson, we are blessed to have this in our lives because, you know, the, the clip is viral, right? Like, and, it, and it's so cool. And it's, Lamar, 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 you want to go for it? You want to go for this? And then he just pulls down the headset. He goes, all right, let's go. And it's just like, oh, we're doing it. And I jumped up out of, out of my seat. It was like, they're actually doing it. Oh, my God. And in the moment, of course, you're a fan. You're stressed out. But it's the right call. It's 100% the right call. And they asked John uh, Harbaugh postgame. I almost called him John. We're not friends. I asked John Harbaugh post game, and he said, I was going for it anyway. I think maybe I just did that as a little bit of reassurance because I knew he was going to say yes too. And it's that <laughs> chemistry and like that synergy and these guys on the same level. And, you know, Harbaugh is an old wily vet as a head coach at this point when Lamar comes in and he's able to kind of just reconnect with a new guy and build this bond with somebody like that. The two most important people in that franchise. And, it's it's awesome, and and, and it was 1,000%. If we're sitting here today saying they lost the ball there, Chiefs marched down the field, scored the touchdown, the Ravens lose, they're 0-4 against the Chiefs, they're 0-2, what, what, yada, yada, yada. I will sit here and defend that decision to the death. That is not hindsight bias. It is not ra- purple-tinted glasses. It is 1,000% the right move. Trust your players. Trust your guys to make the play and execute, especially when you know they were doing that, and... Kudos to Harbaugh. That won them the football game. His, I'm going to say it again, half for comedic effect, but half for regular effect, balls. Like, he, that is the reason they won this football game at the very end. Yeah, I I guess it's just the last few years of uh, analytics, John, converting me uh, to to the cause. But there was definitely, in in the past, I would have been an adamant they need to punt this ball. But this is also when, you know, Kyle Buller was their quarterback and uh, they had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Um, so uh, I-, I thought, too, similar to you guys, I was like, they have to go for this here. I was like, because I was of the mind they were going to lose the game if they punted it back. I was like, you already forced the-, the turnover. The two turnovers, you needed to take the lead. I was like what, Pat Mahomes is going to fumble the ball a third time or throw a pick? Like, that's that's not happening. He's too good. So I, I thought it was the right call. Um, it was still a bold call, uh, I will say. I like I wasn't 100% sure Harbaugh would do it. I thought they should, but I was glad to see they did. Um, but, yeah, it was very rare. Via Jameson Hensley, since 2000, uh, the Ravens, you know, fourth down attempt, 
marked only the second time that a team went for it on fourth down in their own territory during the final two minutes of game when leading by less than a field goal, according to ESPN stats and information. So, not something teams do a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, they went with their, as you said, their best play. They, they brought the beef out. They had about every offensive lineman they had <laughs> out on the field. Um, Zeitler was technically the right tackle uh, <laughs> on the play, the way they, they lined up in a funky, uh, funky alignment and uh, uh, with the Zeitler and I believe Mark Andrews on the end. And uh, yeah, they just, everyone went left and Lamar kind of found the seam and plowed forward. It was a great play. I thought it was a great call. They clearly had that in their pocket for when they needed just that amount of yards. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's fun to have a coach that I think takes like, who, who knows what it takes to win? I don't know that even John Harbaugh would have obviously made that decision, I think, 10 years ago. Um, but uh, it's a new day, it's a new QB, and yeah. Um, he Harbaugh was asked about, like, what does going for it uh, mean there and with the ball in Lamar's hands, and it, he said, it says that I have complete confidence in Lamar Jackson to make every play. <laughs> um, and I think that showed. Yeah, it was great. It was fired me up i i i was i was as excited as i've been i think about any ravens win um certainly non-playoffs since they probably beat the browns lamar's rookie year um it was it was that big so yeah it was a it was a huge win after this game the ravens next season will probably have 10 games in prime time which i don't think either of my co-hosts appreciate <laughs> oh my because God. they got the raiders game this game, the Browns game last year in primetime was ridiculous. They're already a draw because of Lamar, and now it's going to be even worse because of how bananas all these games are. <laughs> but they've won the majority of them, and they come out of this one with a win over the Chiefs, 36-35. Yeah, we, we should say, six. I believe the number's 16-2 now, John Harbaugh in primetime in Baltimore. At, Pretty good. Absolutely insane. Real quickly, I know Antonio, he's the host, he wants to drag us away. I feel like I still have so much to say. I want to just give one shout out to a guy who I remember last year we did, I wouldn't say pick on, but we criticized a little bit and who has come up in leaps and bounds and is going to be a significant player for this team this year uh, if they're good. And that's uh, Anthony Averett or Averett, Averett. I, apologies, I've heard it every which way. Anthony Averett is what I'm going with. I thought he played very well and he makes the key play third down with about 11 minutes left and he ran Tyreek Hill's route better than Tyreek Hill ran his route and made on single coverage on Tyreek freaking Hill, and Anthony Everett makes the play. Chiefs have to punt. Ravens get the ball back. Eight minutes, they score. They never lose the lead again. So it, it, I just there's so many things to talk about, as Antonio said from the top, and we probably missed a bunch. Whatever we missed in the comments below, as they say on YouTube, or Podlick Raven on Twitter, Instagram, Raven at gmail.com, however you get involved with us, let us know the big takeaways that maybe we missed, obviously, that we'd, we'd love to bring them up next time. But for me... That play was magnificent, and I don't think I've ever seen better single coverage on a bigger play than that. It was blanket tight and nowhere near illegal, even by NFL's ridiculously low standards. Just enough plays. Just enough plays defensively. All the plays offensively. Uh, and that's how, that's how you get a Ravens win against a tough team. Looking now to the rest of the NFL, just a couple of games that we should touch on I every week go around the uh, the AFC North 
not a ton to talk about with two of the teams. Bengals back down to earth, lose to the Bears. Browns kind of beat the Texans. They did not cover. They won that game by 10 points. They were down early. But the Steelers losing at home to the Las Vegas Raiders, I think that lost people a lot of bets, first of all, just to not cover, but then to lose outright in a game that the Raiders led pretty much the entire game. I'll turn to you guys with, you know, a minute or two. Are the Steelers bad? Are the Raiders better than we thought? Is it both things with the Raiders now 2-0 and and the Steelers 1-1? and It did make me feel marginally better about the Ravens-Raiders game we watched uh, Monday night because I do think the Raiders are better than we thought. Um, I, I think the Steelers are fine. I think they're basically the exact same team as last year, at least that we saw late last year, certainly. They have a good defense, though they did lose TJ Watt. He ended the game in street clothes after... Uh, a groin injury, which is a big problem for them since he just became, you know, the highest paid player, defensive player in football a few weeks ago. (laughs) Um, So he's very good and it's not great to lose those kind of guys. They can't run the ball at all. Like their offensive line is horrible. Um, And Roethlisberger, like, you know, the Raiders might have a good defensive line because they let Roethlisberger up in the similar way that Lamar was under siege. Um, and yeah, it's just like the same, it's the same kind of game. There's not too much to add to it. Like Roethlisberger threw the ball 40 times. Uh, the Steelers rushed for 39 yards, which they didn't put up a lot of yards last week uh, against the Bills when they were kind of lucky to win that game, as we talked about last week. So maybe the Steelers are a little worse than we anticipated. Certainly their offense is bad, it seems, um, through two games, but uh, I do think the Raiders have been impressive. You know, Derek Carr leads the NFL currently in passing yards. He threw for 382 and two TDs yesterday. He has over 800 yards through the first two games, um, which is wild. But, uh, and, and you know, Ruggs had a, a huge catch to kind of more or less salt the game away. So I do think the Raiders are good. That was a big win. It's always hard to go into Pittsburgh and win. Roethlisberger, strangely bad against the Raiders. He's now 2-6 and six against the Raiders in his career which makes no sense since I think the Raiders have had one winning season in Roethlisberger's entire career. So I don't really know what that's about. Like why, why they always, why he always loses to them. But uh, yeah, I do think the Raiders are good. I think the Steelers are kind of the same as they were in the late, when they struggled down the stretch last year. Yeah. Um, big worries for big Ben. Um, I think you nailed it. I think it makes, we, we all do the transitive property thing. Now that we're at two weeks into the season, so like now our loss wasn't as bad because we only lost in a crazy way to the Raiders and the, and the Steelers got blown out, so we're probably better than the Steelers. And th- there's that funky math that you know isn't really a true thing. Um, before we move on to the rest of the NFL, I do want to say, remember when Jamar Chase got picked over Penny Sewell? Uh, Joe Burrow, constant pressure again and again and again, and he threw three picks on three straight passes. Uh, you said there was nothing to say about those games. I thought it was worth saying, so I want to bring that to the list. We, we should also just mention Baker Mayfield hurt his shoulder, um, non-throwing shoulder in the Browns game, um, but he didn't actually miss any time, so it must have not been too bad. Uh, Miles Garrett had the gall to call him Brett Favre 2.0 minus less interceptions after the game, which is just patently absurd. Uh, the man clearly never watched Brett Favre in his life, one of the one of the great quarterbacks, gunslingers in NFL history. But uh, 
Also, Baker throws just as many picks as Brett Favre. So, <laughs> bad, bad example all the way around, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, that, that wraps up, I think, the AFC North for the week. Kind of, you know, what's there to say when you, you play the, the 2021 Houston Texans? <laughs> all four teams now, one and one in the North. We'll see how that shakes out over the next few weeks. Elsewhere in the NFL, the Saints. Of course, oh. the Saints. <laughs> Turn from one week where Jameis threw five touchdowns and they won by a hundred, and they turn right around, play a worse team, and lose by twenty. Uh, the NFL is impossible. It's impossible to understand these teams, these games. Gambling on it doesn't make any sense. I have no idea which Saints team is going to show up week three. Another example of this is Buffalo. They lose to the Steelers at home, turn around and beat Miami thirty-five to nothing. Uh, that's hard to do in the NFL on both ends, scoring that many points and giving up zero points. The Jets, oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I said gambling is hard in the NFL. and in, in some instances, maybe it shouldn't be, because Bill Belichick against the Jets and a rookie quarterback may, maybe should have been a, a red flag in terms of gambling, but four interceptions uh, thrown by the Jets' starting quarterback, whose name at the moment eludes me. Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. We'll see if you can turn it around, Zach. It's tough to go against uh, that Patriots defense. Any other games uh, you guys want to touch on uh, from around the NFL this week? I mean, first... Sorry, go ahead, Jess. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the late games got wild. (laughs) Um, Vikings-Cardinals was bananas pretty much from start to finish. Uh, And you had Gus Johnson on the game, which just added a whole And a keep to lead. And Akeem, yeah, who was great. I enjoyed every time Red Zone cut to that game. I was like, oh, what a delight this game is. It was weird stuff happening, all offense, no defense. Um, uh, 34-33 final, Vikings miss a field goal right at the buzzer. It was crazy because you had in the Chargers... um, uh, (laughs) Chargers-Cowboys game, Zerline hits a 56-yarder to give the Cowboys the win um, as time expires. And I believe the time I saw was 41 seconds later, I believe Peter King wrote in his column, uh, of real time later, 41 seconds, uh, the Vikings missed a 37-yard field goal <laughs> as time expired to lose. Uh, and Gus Gus sounded like he passed out in the booth reacting to that one, which was great. Uh, Kyler threw for 400 yards <laughs> in that game. He threw, also threw a pick six, multiple touchdowns. He, there's just always a lot going on in Cardinals games. And then Derrick Henry's back which is a problem for the league. Um, he, uh, he got the, he got the rock a cool 35 times. Uh, it went for a buck 80 and over and over, uh, an overtime win. I believe I saw it was the, the first 15 point lead. The Seahawks had blown at home, um, since like 2004 or something. It'd been a really long time. Um, big one for the Titans. Uh, they looked they looked in trouble there, but the Seahawks really blew it. Um, as Kevin Clark once said from the ringer, the Seahawks have never played a normal game, and this was yet another. Russell Wilson almost committed a walk-off safety, which I thought was probably a, a safety. They ruled he was down at the one. Um, but yeah, Derrick Henry, already two weeks in, already leading the NFL and rushing by a wide margin, and it seems uh, <laughs> heading for a potential third straight rushing ground. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you nailed all the games I wanted to talk about. I think it's interesting with Henry... He got most of his yards in the second half when they were on the comeback trail. A little Ravensy in that they stuck to their game plan. They just gave Derrick Henry the ball. And most of his 182 yards were in the second half while they were down big. So sometimes just stick to your guns. Um, 
I hate that he's on the Titans, but he he might be top five favorite players to watch. If it was NFL. just like a plain like a plain black jersey or something like that, and I didn't know who he's playing for, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the one I'll bring up because I keep hammering them, and they won. It's the Denver Broncos. Now, you're going to say, Tim, they beat the lowly Jaguars. And that is exactly why I'm bringing this game up. Because two games into the season, the Jacksonville Jaguars are already tweeting out messages like this. Quote, hang in there with us. We're going to get better. The one thing about Jacksonville in the 904, go to sleep knowing there's not going to be any group working harder to get this thing flipped. That is from one Urban Meyer. Now, It'll probably get flipped around when he leaves for the USC job in a couple months, as we talked about on the last pod, like a Raven. If you missed that one, go listen to it. But two games in, they are tweeting this. Now, I'm sure you heard, I'm sure you saw this, and I'm sure you laughed just like we did. There has been a further development on Monday night as we record. I go now to the Atlanta Falcons Twitter page. Quote, oh, goodness. we're not where we're at, we're, we're not where we want to be now, but there's plenty of football to be played. And then here's a message from head coach Arthur Arthur Smith. We don't want to be in the spot where we are. That's a reality. But we have 15 more to go, which shouldn't be encouraging to any Atlanta Falcons fan at this point. We have to put ourselves in a spot to go win a football game. These teams are already sending out these messages two games into the season. I then bring you... brand new head coaches. With brand new head coaches (laughs) and rebuilding projects that we knew. Now let's flip... To good socials, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. They have, obviously, they are 2-0. Since everyone is doing it, they have an image up with a quote. It is from one of my favorite players in the league, Buda Baker. Quote, I love this team. 2-0, 1-0 every day. So, good, good for the Cardinals to just <laughs> rub it in the face of every other team that they're actually doing well. I love, I love stupid social media trends. Uh, the Ravens obviously have a, an incredible social media team. Uh, and I just thought that that was very, very fun. And the fact, I mean, the Jaguars is the talking point here, and then obviously the Falcons, who decided to hop on and thought it was cool to do so. You can't be sending this stuff out now, guys. Like, come on. It's, it's, it's disaster well, yeah, mode they, already. If they send that at 0-2, what are they going to send at 1-10? Like, what, you start, like, <laughs> writing checks to the fans? Like, what do you do in that case? It's an 18-week season now. we got a long way to go. <laughs> Gosh, were they even weren't they underdogs in both games? Where were they favored against? Uh, they may have been favored against the Texans, but they were supposed to lose this game to Denver. Why would this be a whole a whole thing? <laughs> it's, it's not college, Urban Meyer. Okay. Uh, anything else on the NFL, guys? Any other games we want to touch on? All right, let's turn then to the random Raven, who I kind of want to apologize in advance because this is just a name. <laughs> if you guys get it, then it'll be a new. I think level of just my co-hosts absolutely know the NFL because uh, it, it's a, sort of a smaller, smaller name and maybe a somewhat of a smaller player. Uh, as I stall here to get up these sort of hidden. See, I think as you do that, I can facts. I can take over the vamping for a little bit. I think it just means that Jason and I just don't have lives. Or there's just a <laughs> massive part of our brain that should store knowledge, like how to save money. Or how stocks work, or I don't know, going to the dentist regularly, or something like that. Not accusing you, Jace. Obviously, that's just for me. But instead, it's just random, random, random ravens from years past. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he played, all right? He, he's not like a one-year, like, you know, he was on the team for three days, but uh, here is, uh, here is this, this week's Random Raven. He played for the team for three-plus seasons, guys, from 2016 to 2019. So it's the three years plus, meaning 2019, he was there for part of the season. However, in those three-plus years, he only played in 24 games. He had 34 tackles, four pass deflections, and while he was often cut or waved or on the practice squad, he seemingly was always on the field on some giant third down play, maybe making the tackle after the first down was already recorded. Mm. Uh, He peaked, I would say, with the Ravens in week four against the Cleveland Browns in 2019, where he recorded his first career interception off of Baker Mayfield in a 40-25 to loss. And then, of course, he was released by the team a month later on November 5th. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys on March, 20th, or on March 30th, 2020, and then opted out of the season due to COVID. And he is currently now back with the Cowboys as a regular NFL player for the Ravens. He wore the numbers 39 and then 26. He is most known for wearing the number 26 on the Baltimore Ravens. And he I is currently <laughs> active on the Dallas Cowboys. I think both my co-hosts are on top of this. And that's why and I'm embarrassed. we have a podcast. That's why you listen to Pod Like a Raven. Both my co-hosts all over this four-year player who only played in 24 games out of a potential... <laughs> What is that? There's 64. He could have played in 64 games, but he only played in 24 while on the Ravens. One interception, 34 tackles, four pass deflections. Yeah, I think I know who it is. I'm, I, ha- I, I for sure have the last name, uh, and I think the first name will come. We will answer that at the end of the episode. But first, we have to turn to the Ravens' next game. And that is, uh, I don't want to say finally, it's only been two weeks, but what should be, uh, as I knock on wood here audibly, sort of a breath of fresh air. It's the Detroit Lions uh, in Detroit. It's a regular 1 o'clock game on a Sunday. I need, I can't, I can't do the prime time. It's just get us back, get us back into our quietness of only on Sunday ticket. No one else paying attention. Uh, we have not seen a lot of the Lions as they are playing, as we record this on a Monday. They're playing tonight. So we've only seen their game where for three and a half quarters they were getting absolutely blown out by San Francisco. And then the last three minutes of that game where they made a storming comeback and almost <laughs> came back to tie. So we sort of think we know who the Lions are, uh, barring uh, a gigantic comeback late, late in the game. But... Looking first at the Ravens offensively, uh, if if you could meme in audio, the meme I would use is that tired is the Ravens having 40 carries for 200 yards, wired is the Ravens having 50 carries for 250 yards. Are, uh, are those numbers possible in a game where you're in Detroit against a bad team, just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball until you get stopped? 
I think it's possible. I mean, the Lions, right out of the gate, they're already, you know, one game played, but they're already 32nd points against and 30th in yards. So that's, you know, they're, they're, they have a several-year track record of being bad. Um, unfortunately for them, Jeff Akuda, their number three overall pick in 2019, 2020, um, he's already torn his Achilles and is out for the year. Uh, so they're down, ostensibly, their number one corner um, already. Uh, so, you know... They're bad against the pass. They're bad against the run. Uh, and I wouldn't be stunned if we see a pretty simple kind of just pound the rock uh, game plan, uh, you know, from this team. Uh, the Niners were able to, to, to rush for 131. Um, and if they can do that, we can certainly get to 200 easy, I would think. Um coming off the performance we just did. I, 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 I've liked what, obviously, I, we touched on him a little bit. Tyson Williams I thought was great um, for the Ravens, and we saw more of him than we did uh, against the Raiders, which was nice. And I, I like Latavius Murray down near the goal line. He's a big bruiser. Um, I probably still in a perfect world would want more Tyson. But, yeah, I think they should be able to run um, and pretty much, pretty much do whatever they kind of want against this Lions defense. They're pretty bad, and... Uh, you know, it's kind of basic, but just don't make mistakes and you'll win the game. <laughs> I mean, look, as we record this, obviously the the Lions are playing on Monday Night Football. We record this on Monday, so we won't really know um, what they look like. I imagine they're going to get beaten by Green Bay. Uh, the line is 11 and a half right now. I would, if I was a gambling man, maybe put a little bit on Motor City Dan Campbell, uh, Dan Campbell excuse me, and the biting kneecaps of the Lions. But yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest takeaway here, because I don't want to get too tactical with a team that we haven't seen twice yet, but I'm going to say the words, and I know you don't want to hear them. Trap game. Do not let this be the emotional letdown game. Go in, and you heard Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, even on the field afterwards, basically doing the Belichick, we're on to Cincinnati bit of, all right, Detroit's up next. We haven't won the Super Bowl yet. We're on to Detroit. We got to beat them too. So I don't expect it from this team. We haven't seen it from this team in a while, obviously, as we've talked about over the years. But for me, it's first game that's not in prime time. We're not all the eyes are on you. It's 1 o'clock in Detroit. We're getting the D-list commentators, whoever they are. Maybe the C's because it's Lamar Jackson. Just go in there and handle your business and, you know, wrap it up by 4.15 so we can all go about our Sunday and deal with our Sunday scaries however we like to deal with our Sunday scaries. Um so I'm confident we'll get to the lines here in just a second, but I do worry a little bit if we get like late second quarter and it's only a three point game or something, which I could see happening. The one thing I do like, and I just remembered because this game, they haven't played their game on Monday night yet, is that finally the Ravens now on a normal week, Sunday to Sunday, and Detroit will have to play this on a short week. Uh, after hopefully playing a game where they get walloped by by Green Bay a little bit and travel, not that it's a long flight, but I'm sure leaving Green Bay is a little more complicated than leaving you know any other major city in America. <laughs> yeah, T- Tim, to your point, I would not be shocked if through seven minutes of the first quarter it's zero to zero and we're just sort of already. I'm not going to say in panic mode, but the texts are already flying about how why can't they run the ball? Why are they having false starts on the offensive line? I, I just think they're going to use so much momentum from this previous game and, and, and sort of take control uh, with the running game and where it's 
in theory, the the running game, you know, if you execute works by itself, you don't have to sort of force it. You can just have the, the plays come to you. The holes are there. Just take the six yards per carry. Jace, Tyson Williams, two games, 22 carries, averaging six and a half yards a pop. Uh, we just have to work on hanging on to that ball, which was something we did skip in that Chiefs recap, which one of the biggest gifts of that game, and gifts with a T. It was also a gif, but it was a gift in this sense where fumbling on as you lunge for the end zone is the quickest way to have John Harbaugh put you in the doghouse for about six weeks, so good for Devin Duvernay being on the spot there. But <laughs> offensively, I just think it's too much running, too many yards on every play that then become long drives and, and six points. Defensively, guys, turnovers, sacks, get back to bend but not break, give up field goals instead of touchdowns. Oh, I... Wink's, Wink's sent in the house, baby. We're back. Well, that, that, that's what I was about to say. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, he, 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 uh, it would be very funny to me if he blitzes on like 75%. To of, make up for lost time. Jared Goff's. Yeah, because he was like, I didn't use, <laughs> we didn't blitz on 20 plays last week. So <laughs> I have all these blitzes for Jared Goff to use. Um, but frankly, that's, I think, the way to attack Jared Goff. You know, he doesn't. Uh, you know, do great in pressure. Uh, he doesn't do a ton of things great in general, but he still has some arm talent, so you can't let him, you know, beat you. But I think you pressure him and uh, he'll make a mistake. He always does. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm i completely with Tim. I think pressure, pressure, pressure is going to be... Big yeah, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit on you, Antonio, but the biggest thing for me, both sides of the football, is just don't get hurt. Um, you know, like, let's just... Can we have one week, like just one, where maybe they come out with a clean bill of health, you know, or, you know, and obviously don't want to wish injuries on anybody, but it's just like a practice squad guy, not, you know, significant player in this Ravens organization. Um, and the other thing for me, too, I guess, with that, we don't know the status of Brandon Williams at the moment, um, but maybe a guy, a guy I wanted to mention who was a little bit up and down, but I thought made some big plays as well. Justin Matabuke. I think a guy that we might be able to see a little bit more of maybe Derek Wolf comes back. We're not, I'm not too sure what his status is. He obviously didn't play against the chiefs, but maybe that's, you know, this could be the time for Matabuke who they really like, and they think is going to be a starter for this team for in over the next couple of years. Anthony Everett again, let's see if he can be a guy that kind of cements a role on this 2021, 2022 Ravens football team. Who knows what Deshaun Elliott? I mean, it was it was a lot of Brandon Stevens. Brandon Stevens got taken out late. We saw a lot more Geno Stone late. You know, can some of these guys? I know. Yeah, Antonio's giving me the oh face, which I understand. Maybe it's one of those guys who you know kind of shows up and shows that hey, maybe you can trust me in a quote bigger game, or maybe you can trust me to start down the line. So that that's what I'd be excited to see. Looking at the line, fellas. It is nine points, the Ravens. We think this line is going to change probably one way or the other uh, by the time we publish this episode, But based on the Lions game Monday night. But at the moment, Ravens minus nine. It's a lot of points. It's more than a touchdown. This Ravens team still has a lot of injuries, still has a couple of things to fix uh, at multiple positions. And I'm, I'm, I'm hammering this minus nine. Uh, I think Ravens win this game by 17 points. Uh, I think it's 14 nothing in the first quarter, 24-7 to at halftime, and then we just sort of trickle out. 
and uh, and we see Huntley before this game is up. So I'm all over the Ravens at minus nine. I'll run through my other picks uh, and then pivot to you guys. One and three last week. Lost the Ravens pick, which I guess I'm happy to lose in, in some respect, and I just it reminded me you can't, you know, Got to trust, got to trust that Baltimore team. One and three last week, two and five on the season, so it's time to turn things around. And I have a total of four games that I really like this week, the Ravens being the first one at minus nine. Tampa Bay heading into Los Angeles. That is going to be a marquee game. Tampa Bay's offense looks absolutely unstoppable, and the Rams seem like they're still a little bit of a work in progress. Tampa Bay minus one in that game. I love that line. I don't see Brady losing to Matt Stafford, even though he is on a different team. I have T- Tampa Bay at minus one. Seattle minus one at Minnesota. This just feels like the get-right game for Seattle. Lost a game they should not have lost against Tennessee. Had a lead in that really throughout, and I I like Seattle more than I like anything Kirk Cousins is doing, even with them being frisky against Arizona. Love Seattle at minus one. Again, just just win, baby, for Seattle. I think they take care of business. And then uh, even though Jacksonville published that sort of uh, haiku about how their season isn't over yet, I'm all over Arizona, minus seven at Jacksonville. They're better. They're a real NFL team. They're not already in panic mode after two games. I think Arizona wins that game by double digits. So I'm taking them at minus seven over Jacksonville. And those are my Cliff picks. Kingsbury minus seven scares the hell out of me. That's, that's all I'll say on that one. And I, I get it. I, I think you're right. So the line on two of your picks has actually moved a little bit. And I, I only have two picks this week. I have a couple that I like, but I'm not confident enough to say these are my picks Lock them in. Uh, Seattle minus one and a half right now is what I'm seeing live as I refresh the page here. And then that Rams-Tampa game is down to a pick So it might be even oh. better for you. I have, I have five here that I think are interesting. Um, Seattle, as Antonio said, the L.A. Rams. I'm going L.A. Rams. I just think it'll be a Sean McVay FU game. I think he's going to be, you know, put the cojones on the table and wants to show out in a massive game. The, the game we will all be watching after the Ravens game. Tennessee minus five and a half against a Carson Wentzless Indianapolis Colts, or at least it looks like it, I think is interesting if you want to hop on that early. Um, but it, I, I just don't trust Tennessee. Atlanta plus three. Um, they're playing the Giants. Both those teams suck, so give me the team with the points. And then Dallas minus four against Philly. We saw this Philly team just kind of not be the team they were in week one, so maybe they are pretenders. I don't really like any of those. What I do like is Baltimore minus nine. Or I don't like them as much, I should say. I love Baltimore minus nine. I, I can't not pick them after all the praise we just heaped on them, right? I can't be going, well, it could be a close one. Who knows? We have to see what we see from this Lions team. Give me Baltimore minus nine. We're, go- we're getting out of Ford Field as quickly as possible. And then here's one for you that I like. And it's a team that is disappointed. It's a team coming off a massive loss to a division rival who is playing arguably the hottest team in the league. I'm going Miami plus four against the Las Vegas Raiders. It is in Las Vegas. Miami has to travel. I uh, completely understand this is a bit of a contrarian pick. But let's, let's think about Vegas for a second. Are we going to just trust John Gruden to be a good football coach again? 
Are we just going to trust Derek Carr, who is dealing with injury, by the way, and MRI, and they haven't figured out what exactly it is quite yet? He, he'll, it looks like he's questionable right now for the game. I'm sure he'll play if, if he's well enough. But this is a kitchen sink game for Miami. They're 0-2. This is a team that had playoff aspirations. They're going to throw everything and more at this game. Two or not, I don't really think it makes that big of a difference. Um, I think Jacoby Brissett is, is fine and can do enough. I think maybe the defense makes enough plays. For some reason, I just have this gut feeling that we're all, everybody's on Vegas. Everybody wants to heap praise on Vegas. And no, I'm not. Well, maybe I'm still a little bit mad about the loss in week one. I think the four points for Miami, who is a desperate team against the Vegas team, who if they lose this, it's like, all right, well, they're still two and one. They still have two really good wins. The motivation there, I think, is something that um, could change things for me. So Miami giving it everything they got, season-on-the-line type of game for them, and they're getting four points. I'll take the Dolphins. See, Tim, that's a, that's a, sharp, that's a sharp move right there. Everybody's going to see that line as, oh, my goodness, the Raiders at home, they've looked so good, and they have to win by less than a touchdown. I'm all over that, but no. I love that pick. I love that pick for you, Tim. Miami and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you, you look at the who? second quarter. Sorry, Jay. It's all because I know what he's about to do. You look at the second quarter, and it's Miami like twenty-one ten, and you're like, "Wait, what? Oh, what happened there?" And then it, and then it's panic time if you bet on the Raiders, Jace. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, include me amongst the everyone who is on <laughs> this uh, Raiders uh, line. I think they're like legitimately decent and good and. I was just so disappointed in uh, uh, the Dolphins. They actually, Tim, they are actually one and one. They managed Sorry, to win right. that you're Patriots right, game. My apologies. Oh, I take, wait, 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 wait. I take, I, everything is, everything's off yeah, the table. Right. Well, they did not look good doing that, and they looked, I mean, to or not, because I don't know how good he is, I was just so disappointed and like, a rivalry game, you've lost five straight to the Bills going into yesterday, and to just, to just... To to be that defeated, and some of the quotes coming out of the locker room weren't like great either. They sounded pretty down about the game, understandably. And now to go to the Raiders, which you know, Antonio, we were there. It was pretty uh, a pretty good atmosphere for the first game. But I think the Raiders fans are going to be fired up. This seems like the best team they've had in years uh, <laughs> for the Raiders. Now I guess we'll see. You know what is the crowd is like. The no, I guess the quote novelty of the Raiders of Vegas maybe slowly starts to wear off. I think that'll be determined. But I think the defensive line is going to give a very bad Dolphins offensive line some problems. So I, I'm going with the Raiders there. Just it's fair enough. Like I that. still think <laughs> even at one and one, I still stick by. I think they need this one after the embarrassment. So I think you will see no, a little bit of kitchen sinking here, especially looking at they, they know that they still have to play. New England, who is going to have their number the second time, things like that. So I think they're going to be a little bit more desperate than L.A. Or Las Vegas. They definitely need it more, that's for sure. Um, and the Raiders, as you said, might be riding a little too high, beating two AFC uh, North traditional powerhouses in a row to kick off their year. Um, but uh, for the Ravens, minus nine, uh, for all the reasons I... I, I need it. I need an easy game. I can't. We can't keep doing this. <laughs> this white knuckle ride. <laughs> I can't. I can't do this for seventeen games. Give us an easy one, please. Uh, I love the idea of Tyler Huntley making an appearance in this game, Antonio. Um, and then I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm picking Aaron Rodgers <laughs> plus four on the road in San Francisco, a place where the last few visits they've just been demolished. 
uh, the last few years, even amongst their 13 and three campaigns. Um, you know, it's a probably bad pick, but I figured get in on it now. If they look really good tonight, people, uh, you know, that line might move. Counterpoint might be a very bad pick if the Lions uh, make it a close game on Monday Night Football against the uh, against the Packers. But um, I don't know. I just haven't been super impressed with San Francisco to this point. You know, they they the Lions game got weird. Like that was wasn't as close as the final score, but still not a great position to be in to not fully fully put that game away. And then, I don't know, 17-11 versus the Eagles? Oh, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. I don't think the Eagles are very good. but uh, So I'm going with the Packers, who I still believe in, despite, um, as we said, the Saints, who I, I picked the Packers in week one. That did not work out as they lost 38-3. to I responded by saying, well, the Saints must be really good. I picked them. They gained less than 130 yards of offense uh, against the Panthers, um, who I don't think are that great i think they're fine um so i don't know what to think but i'm still going with the packers because aaron Rodgers is an underdog <laughs> i uh, i like our picks this week unanimous uh on the ravens and then a little bit of head-to-heads with uh with me taking on tim with that tampa bay versus rams and then tim taking on jace with the uh miami against las vegas pick we'll see how that shakes out all right, guys, last thing to do, go over these random Raven clues one more time, and then I'll let you guys, uh, I guess, duke it out for who's going to take the first guess here. But <laughs> this random Raven played for the team for three-plus seasons from 2016 to 2019, but he only played in 24 games in those seasons. He had 34 tackles and four pass deflections with the Ravens. He was often cut or waved or on a practice squad Resigned, only to be on the field seemingly on every giant third down play. In week four of the 2019 season against the Cleveland Browns, this player recorded his first career and only to to date interception off of Baker Mayfield in the 40 to 25 loss. He was then released uh, approximately a month later and uh, was first. I don't think I said this the first time, but was first claimed off of waivers by the New York Jets. Uh, and then released and eventually signed with the Dallas Cowboys. He opted out of 2020 due to COVID-19 and is actively on the Cowboys right now. With the Ravens, he first wore number 39, but then was more prominently known, and that's in quotes, wearing the number 26 with the Ravens. Guys, who is this week's random Raven? Good, Jason. I believe this to be Maurice. That Kennedy. was my that was my guess as well. <laughs> it is Maurice Kennedy. Wow. That is this week's random. I'm embarrassed. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think you saying he was on the field for like big plays against. I like was like immediately thought of uh, the Bengals game that shall not be named, and I was like, I'm pretty sure he was on the field for that game. <laughs> Uh, amongst uh, other plays. Just um, chasing I, Tyler Boyd around the field. Did he change his uh, jersey? Uh, the, Tim hated this guy. Did he change from 39 to 26 because the other former Cowboys guy? I thought that might have been who this random Raven was. I'm blanking on his name. That's a good point. Are you talking about Brandon Carr? Carr? Brandon Carr, yes. I oh, Brandon Chris Carr. Carr. I, like, I mean, Chris, both, both of them are horrific and <laughs> not very good, but yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Jace, that may be the... I'm trying to remember when Brandon Carr was on the... He only wore 39, Kennedy did, in 2016. So okay. if Carr came in 2017, that would certainly be a good reason. But I feel like he changed his number a couple of times, too. Well, I was going to yeah. say, when you're, you're waved and picked up and back in the practice squad, you don't get a ton of say in your jersey, I guess. So if someone else in the meantime picked up 39, that would make sense. Oh, yeah. Well done to both of my co-hosts there for one of the more, I think, more obscure random Ravens. But was on the team for, for a couple of seasons there. Whether or not he played... <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, this was fun. Boy, it is better to talk about the Ravens after an awesome win than it is after uh, like a soul-crushing loss in 127 <laughs> degrees in Las Vegas. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to us. We'll be back next week to talk about the Ravens against the Lions and the season ahead for Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.